1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 29. 24 through 29. It says, Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If ye know, if ye know that He is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, please give me Your strength and give me Your knowledge as I come before You today, Lord, to give a message that You placed on my heart. Lord, get, fill me with your spirit in the fire, Lord. Lord, be with our congregation that they may hear what you want them to hear out of this message and help us to take this out and apply it to everyday life. Lord, be with all of our sister churches, and Lord, as they give your word out here today. And Lord, be with all those who are sick, who are getting procedures, surgeries, Lord. Be with them and be the great healer that you are. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen title of my sermon tonight is Abiding in Christ. So we're ultimately coming back to 1 John today, and we're closing out the remainder of chapter 2. And John has brought us down a road here. First, we saw him bring us to two sides of a spectrum, darkness and light. And he really put us to a test to see which side of the spectrum we are truly on. Then he kept this test going for us Christians as he brought up one of our great enemies in the world. And John lays it out to us that if you're truly on God's side, you will truly reject these pleasures that the world has to offer. You will reject the lusts and the pride from the world. Then after this, John takes us a little bit further down the road and gives us a warning about the Antichrist, a lot of which has came out from before us. These antichrists are from the church and are even proclaimed believers that are not for God. John gives us a test and he showed us to make sure that we are not one of these antichrists. And he ends the test with telling us in key and true statements in the last two verses of that. He said, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. John made it cut and dry and to the point. And he lays it out and he lays it out simply. You are an Antichrist if you do not know Christ. And now we round out chapter 2. And he brings us to an act that is oh so pivotal to a Christian life. And it's the act of abiding. 
We look at this word abiding. Abiding means to stay, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to remain. When we hear this word abide, I instantly think to my childhood. When I was a kid and I really wanted something, whether it was ice cream, to hang out with friends, my parents would tell me, you got to be good the rest of the week, no matter what. So I couldn't revert back to my seemed like normal bad behavior. And I would fall a lot, by the way. But John is making it absolutely clear that you have to abide in Christ. You have to stay with Him, no matter the cost, no matter what's presented, no matter what the world tries to offer you or how they try to lure you, no matter what the Antichrist will try to do to you, we must stay abiding in Christ. So it says in verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye, shall, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. First, John is not going straight away and telling us to abide in Christ, but he is telling us that we first must allow the truth of God to abide in us. This verse tells us to allow which ye have heard from the beginning to abide in us. And we know from the Gospel of John in chapter 1 what he is referring to right here. And that is the truth of God. That Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. That He came and He gave us a way. That He came and gave us truth. That He came and gave us life. John is telling us, plain as day, right here. Do not compromise this. Let this stay within you. Let it live within you. Let it grow within you. Don't let anything try and tear this away from you. Let it stay within. And this is a step that every Christian must take in a world full of sin and fleshly pleasure. This is the foundation every Christian. And if it isn't your foundation, you will sink in sand. This is the first step to be taking. Oh, the world, they will try to prevent you from staying here. They will try to pluck you out of this. They will try to bring you as far away from this as possible. But we know that they cannot pluck us out of the Father's hands. We have seen this affect other denominations, other sects that have the claim that we have the same God. But we must make sure that Christ and the truth that Christ brought to us as the Son of God is our rock and our foundation. And let it abide in you. Let it dwell and grow within you. Be proud about it. Don't be ashamed. The world... It will try to outcast you and try to shame you and try to make you want to go away from it, make you embarrassed about it. But as I said a few weeks ago, we should be verbally saying this because it's our saving grace. The belief in Christ is our saving grace, and it's glorious. There's nothing embarrassing about it. That's why we should share it, not be ashamed of it. It says, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. This is the truth of God, and this truth of Christ keeps us down the right path. It helps sever ourselves from sin, and it helps us stay on the path of light. 
knowing Christ and His message, that what keeps us stringed together, and it's a glorious thing. And then when you move on to verse 25, it says, And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. John is telling us about the great promise. It's not any promise. It's great. The great promise that God gave to us. Listen, John, he brought us down a path. He gave us all these ethical warnings and what to look out for. And he told us to remain faithful. But we make mistakes, right? And I'm emphasizing the word mistake here. Because a mistake is not living in it every day and accepting it. That's a lifestyle, not a mistake. But even when a Christian makes a mistake, the promise doesn't change. Eternal life is not ripped from us. It isn't torn from us. It isn't taken from us. It's a beautiful thing, right? And if you're asking why, the answer is simple. It's because we're under the blood of Jesus. We are still under his umbrella, and God values that umbrella. God has a value on his son. He values them very much, and he values those who are under his blood. He values the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth that abides in the Christian. Not only this, we also have to realize that God is faithful to his word. He does not fold on his promises. He is no deceitful human that you don't you can't trust. But God is true to every word he says. And he's true to this beautiful promise of eternal life. The promise that we get through faith. Faith in his son. That's what gets you under this blood of Jesus. And it washes us clean. That's what's promised to us. The greatest thing we could hope or imagine. We'll be spending a lot more time in eternity than here on earth. And we are promised to spend it with God in heaven. Beautiful, eternal life. John then goes a bit further in verse 26. He gives us a reason why he's given us this today. A reason why everyone should be taking this message to heart. It says in verse 26, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Folks, this verse makes it clear. You will be attacked. The world, Satan, the flesh, it will all attack you. All of it will try to seduce you. Seduce you away from the grass of God. It's these battles that we have been going through as a church lately. What our pastor is preaching a whole message series on. John is telling us that we cannot avoid these battles. We will see conflict. We will see war. Usurpers and destroyers will try everything in their power to get to you. To try to arise our lives to deceive us. They try to uproot us, trying everything in our power to pull us away from the truth. We must be aware of this. That's why John gives us this here. To help us through these battles and wars. Many people will say they have something bad going on in their life. And they'll say the words, you don't understand what I'm going through. They might be right. I don't know what they're going through exactly personally, but God does. That's why he gives us so much text. 
That's why He gives us this here. He knows we'll go through battles. And He gives us the problems to overcome. He gives us problems to overcome everything. From death, cancer, ruined relationship, battles. He provides it all in the Bible. It's a book full of answers. And John gives us these answers here today. The, an answer to those that will try to seduce you. Then John goes on to say that when you have this faith, when you have this, you have another great promise. You have another thing that abides in you. In verse 27, it says, but the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. We have the anointing that we have received abiding in us. If we remember back to my last sermon, we actually talked about this anointment. If we go back to verse 20, it says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. This word unction means anointing. And it's from the Holy One, the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit abiding in us as God's children. And that is a wonderful gift from God. Jesus Himself brought up how valuable this was. In John 16-7, He said, Nevertheless, I tell you tr the truth. It is exponent for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus saying that it is for our betterment that we get the Holy Spirit. He is saying for, that it is more beneficial for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have him on earth. And that should be resounding because Jesus is God in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is better for us than having God here on earth in flesh. As I said before, it's another great gift from God passed down to his children. Because that means all of us in the building today who are saved has God, the Holy Spirit, abiding in us. We have Him abiding in us. It's great. Then the next part of this verse, John says, and ye need not that any man teach you. Listen, John is not saying that you don't need to listen to your pastor on Sunday. He's not saying you don't have to listen to what the apostles have said. He's not saying this at all. But what he's really saying is that there is zero room for a man not of God to speak to the assembly of God. There is no room for a man not of God to teach you anything spiritual, to guide you, to lead you spiritually. Why? because they don't know it themselves. I know I've brought up this story before, but when I was saved, I wanted to bring my brother to Christ. And when I, wanted, I asked my pastor, I wanted to bring him to Christ, he said to me, how will you bring him to Christ if you don't know Christ? And that's part of the reason why it hit me. I couldn't bring it. I didn't know the formula. I couldn't even give him the words. I didn't know the way. I didn't know the truth. I didn't know the life. And John is making sure we know that unbelievers don't know the way, so they have no place to teach us the way. I have a coworker who does this a lot to me. He doesn't believe, but he always tries to show me the right way and how whatever people believe is what's right. But the fact is, he doesn't know the right way. 
He thinks he knows the right way. But without Christ or repentance, his way is the way to hell. In fact, without Christ, all of our ways is the way to hell. We can't rely off the unbelievers to teach us. But we can rely upon the Holy Spirit to teach us. It says in the next verse, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, the Holy Spirit brings us the wisdom we need. And He gives us the knowledge that we need for our Christian lives. God did not hang us out to dry. He gave us everything we need. And part of our needs is the Holy Spirit to teach us, to abide in us, to, to guide us in our lives, to help us live for God. And we know from the next part of this verse that everything that is taught to us by Him is true. It says, But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. This is comforting, amazing to hear as a believer. We are taught truth. Truth. Truth is very important. Because many people today can't see Christ because either they have never heard the truth or reject the truth. Truth is important. It's life or death. It's the truth of Jesus being the Son of God and us acknowledging that truth which saved our souls. What the Holy Spirit teaches us is true. From the Word of God that He inspired to our inner convictions when we sin all true. It's true, and it's because the Holy Spirit is abiding in us. It says, but the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him." John now points out a very important thing that is taught to the Christian, taught by the Holy Spirit, and it's very important. And it's to abide in Him. Abide in Christ. We just got to talk about what should abide in us, but now where should we abide in as well? And it's Christ. Christ who saved us. Christ who secured us. And we must know this when we are going through trials, when people are trying to seduce us away from God, when they're trying to bring us away, we know we can overcome it all by abiding in Christ. That's the formula. The formula is right here. Like the example I told you about in my childhood when I had to stay good to get something. When you have temptations loading up on your shoulders, you have to keep looking to Christ, to stay with Christ, to, to remain with Christ. And although the temptations might be heavy on your shoulders, He will not let you drop it or fall or stumble. That's the power of abiding in Christ. We all have our crosses to bear. And if we want to successfully bear them, it starts with abiding in Christ. And when we abide in Christ, it will provide us with a confidence. Verse 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. First, we see this again. He addresses little children. And we've talked about this, that we are the little children. 
John is making sure we know we are the audience here for the message. And John is letting the audience know the Lord is coming. And He's coming soon. And when He does come, there will be two types of people. Those who are ashamed and those who are not ashamed. Those who are ashamed are going to be all that didn't accept Christ. Why? Because they are going to see the guiltiness of themselves. They're going to see that they are true lawbreakers. And they're going to be ashamed that they rejected the living God with so much proof around them. When I was in school, we had these things called points. And we would get one of these points when we didn't do our homework. And all we'd have to do is to take this point and bring it home, have your parents sign it, and bring it back. Get so many points, get a demerit, yada, yada, yada. But when I would get one of these, I'd be embarrassed. You know, my parents thought I was, you know, the good boy or good at school and all that. So when I would get one of these points, I'd be ashamed. So I'd try to go to dad, have dad sign it so mom didn't find out. Or vice versa, I'd go to mom. So mom would sign it and dad didn't find out. Why? It's bad enough that I had one parent disappointed in me. I sure didn't want to. I was ashamed of my actions. I knew I did wrong. And when the Lord returns, many will be in a state similar to this. They are in the state of knowing that they did wrong. They will be in a state of being ashamed. And we think, well, all of us have committed sin. All of us were guilty. But John tells us not to feel ashamed here if you abided in Christ. This is wonderful because we don't have to be ashamed because we know our debt has been paid. We know we are off the hook. We know that our Lord and Savior covered us and He did so perfectly. When you have Jesus, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Especially when He comes back. Your sins are forgiven. You're, you're His child. A child whom He loved. A child He gave His life for. When Jesus comes back and if you abide in Him, you will rejoice. The sweet promise will be fulfilled. There's no shame or despair about it. When we talked about faith in the morning, we are abiding in Christ and His promise. Even when those darts are thrown, that faith brings about a confidence. Confidence that you can have in the end times when Jesus returns. Why? Because you abided in Christ. You stuck with Him. You remained with Him. The only, the only thing, the only time you'll be ashamed is when you know you are guilty and judgment from God is appending upon you. In verse 29 it says, If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. John is pointing out there is only one way to be righteous. Only one way. Not by anything you could do. Not by any good works. Not by anything you could do here on earth. If you have this title of righteousness, you can only have it by the one who made you righteous. And we know the one who made us righteous was our Lord Jesus Christ. The one we abide in. The title of righteousness can only come from Christ. There's no way, other way. There's no shortcuts. 
When we abide in Christ and are saved, we are reborn into righteousness. A righteousness that cannot be plucked by the world, by the seducers that will try to pull you away. The righteousness that we will have a righteousness that the devil tried numerous times to destroy, but failed miserably. Jesus was the originator of righteousness. And in order to attain it, we must get it from Him. Because as the verse says, there's no other way to obtain it. I really love how John ends this chapter. It's a comforting end for the believer. Yes, He has given us trial after trial, test after test. And in the end, He gives us encouragement on how to handle struggles, problems, really reassuring so closing we really need to know this word abide because it's very important for the christian know what is abiding in us know what is dwelling in us know that the holy spirit is within us and that the truth of god is within us when you are saved and that these are tools that god has given you to succeed so if we have the tools we need to use them the right tool makes everything better I work in maintenance. And if I didn't use the tools I had, my life would be a lot harder. It's the same for us. God has given us the tool. Life will become harder if you don't use it. Know when you're in a battle. Know when your enemy is trying to seduce you away to turn to God. Abide in Him. He's the way we endure our struggles and temptations. Because if it was left to our power, we would fail miserably. Abide in Christ, and it will give you the confidence you need so that instead of being ashamed come judgment day, you can rejoice at the great promise given to us by God. And if you haven't found yourself abiding in Christ, today is the day. Today is that day. Because Christ is who saved us, and He was the one who delivered us, and we are to rely and remain upon that. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to go out in this world this week, Lord, to give Your Word and Your message, Lord. And when we overcome and get struggles and the trials of this world, Lord, help us to just keep abiding in You and to keep it with You. Lord, be with us as we go home. As we go out this week, Lord, and come back next Wednesday and next weekend, keep us safe. Heal all those who are sick or in dire need of a prayer, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.